podcast without notes no it's not also we can't free ball we don't have testicles but i'm calling Girl, it that because i think it's funny for yourself all right just saying your testicles are fucking huge oh my god so big big and swollen <laughs> they're engorged engorged <laughs> testicles hi hi we're not drunk and that's what's crazy like we're actually kind of sober so hello <sighs> No, uh, no. wait, this is My Dark Hour with Morgan and Carrie, and this is episode eight, no, nine, no, it, no, girl, it's nine. Oh my god, it is, okay, you're right, okay, so episode eight, oh my god, is there some significance with nine Yes. Everest? No, well, I don't know, it's, it's my lucky number. It is? Yeah, oh nine, my god, nine's my number. I think it's fortuitous that we're doing Everest on this the ninth episode of My Dark Hour. So yeah, you you heard that correctly. We're gonna talk about not Mount Everest as a as a geologic thing, but as we're gonna talk about the nineteen ninety six disaster and on Everest. Everest as like a big giant open air graveyard. Well, okay, yes, of course, of course, we're gonna talk about the lesion of dead bodies up there. Like I okay. Can I, I just need to say this. I've thought a lot about this this week. I really feel like... Okay, so I'm just gonna... Can I just give some background? Oh. Carrie, please, please give some background. Okay. Carrie and I met... Okay, rewind to two years ago. Once you imagine what was happening. It was things, almost exactly two years ago, I know. too. Yeah. yeah, totally. Because it was like second semester, mm-hmm. right? Because you had just got back from having a baby. No, I hadn't had the baby yet. Oh, shit. It was before, yeah, it was before maternity leave. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, because Richie's April. Yeah, so. So, it was, like, around this time. Mm-hmm. How did we even, what happened? How did we even start talking? I don't remember. Um, anyway, we started hanging we out. St- well, That's we weren't even hanging out, though. Me. We just started kind of shooting the shit about books. Yeah. And realized very quickly that we have shockingly similar tastes in books. Yes, also, I realized immediately that Carrie is the fucking bomb at recommending things, and that also she's just as fucked up as me. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, all of the books that she was recommending were amazing and totally let me explore my fucked up side to an even uh, greater degree. Uh, definitely. So, I really feel like, okay, so right after we met, you recommended that I read Into Thin Air... By John Krakauer. By John Krakauer, which is his account of his Everest ascent, which, like, happened during this spring season of 1996, and it's so nuts that, like, like, you know how sometimes in life you're like, man, things happen for a reason? You know, like, I just feel like this was, like, it was, like, the universal order that John Krakauer was there uh-huh. doing this thing when this crazy thing happened, and then this work came from it, and then we became really good friends. It's weird. So it's spiritual. It's kind of spiritual. John Krakauer's experience led to <laughs> this moment right now. Yes. Basically. Yes. Okay. So, once I started reading Into Thin Air, because uh, I think what had happened was I somehow like read this article online about all the dead bodies on Everest and I got really into looking at pictures of dead bodies and we were talking about all the dead bodies and you were like dude you have to read into thin air and I did and it like changed my life I remember you because we we didn't know each other well at all and I remember you emailed me or maybe you no maybe you came in and told me but you were like holy shit like I can't put this book down it is so good so good. It's, okay, so my story with this book is I have read this book, and this is not an exaggeration. I read it twice a year, 
every year. Wait, and at the same time every year? Mm-hmm. What to order your times? Well, I definitely read it in the winter. Uh-huh. I enjoy reading a book about fucked up cold weather in the winter. Yeah. And then I usually read it in the summer or like okay. early summer, late spring. Okay. I don't know why. And I've done this for the at least the past 10 years, maybe more, which means I've read this book more than 20 times. And I cannot tell you what it is about this book that makes me... I wouldn't exactly say obsessed with it, because it's not like I think about it all the time. But every time I pick it up to read it again, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, fuck yeah, I'm going to yeah. read this book again. This is going to be amazing. That So this is my second time reading it. Was, it, it, ju- was, was like, it just as good? It was just as good. And it felt like the first time reading yeah. it again. Like, there were things that I... Like, there were things that stuck with me from the first reading that I was really into, which we'll get into in a minute. But, like... It was like reading it all over again. I mean, really, if you take the time that I took to finish this book, it would be like, like a couple of hours because I, I read so voraciously when I'm when you know when I'm going through it. It's fucking amazing. It, like it you is. Have to read this book. We'll talk about what the book the book's about here. So don't worry, we'll get there. But I, I will say that before I read this book, I didn't give two shits about mountain climbing me neither i don't care about fucking mountain climbing at all at all like i, I d- hate anything that requires physical uh, exertion okay i okay i don't <laughs> but i also think mountain climbers are douchey yeah and it's like sort of like outdoorsy nature stories hell not fucking no not Mm-mm. my thing the reason this is good is that's not what this is at all. Although at all. there's some of that in there. I mean, John Krakauer was a big mountain climber, right. so he's clearly interested in it. And he does talk about, you know, the history of the mountain mm-hmm. and sort of the beauty of the place and things like that. So it's not totally devoid of that, but it's so much fucking darker than that. Oh, it's so dark. It's just a very ominous book. The entire book is just has this feeling of dread. It's like, oh shit, <laughs> like this, nothing is going to go well here. And you know what's really nuts? So, okay, like... You know that feeling, and maybe you haven't felt this, but, like, before you go in for, like, a surgery, or when you have, like, an extended illness, and, like, you have that feeling, like, your your whole schedule has changed, like, every, your whole life has changed, pretty much, and it's kind of this, like, really weird, infirm feeling. I feel that way, I feel that this whole book is, like, reading about that kind of time. It's, like, all these people are leaving their lives, they're going and doing this thing, but it doesn't feel like it's this triumphant, like, I'm going to reach the top nope. of the world. It's more like I'm entering this, like, convalescence, and am I going to make it out of this or not? Which is a creepy, weird feeling. It's gross. It is, but, but it's it so also, in a weird way, makes it more appealing to yeah, me. Yeah, totally. Like, because it's a very sort of grim undertaking. Yes. It's not like, woo bro! Like, it's not, like, that at all. Like, at all. it's very, like, ugh. Like, yeah. you're gonna spend a month, at least, being completely miserable and tired. Yeah. And, you know, not getting enough oxygen and, I mean, really, really uncomfortable. You're going to spend hours, like, taking two steps and having to stop to and catch breathe. your breath. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Okay, so we should probably talk a little okay. bit about what this book is actually about, yes. what happened in 1996. Oh, shit, this is crazy. And I we're going to we're going to probably end up leaving out details. So if there's anyone who really knows about this, I'm sure we're not going to talk about all of it cuz yeah. th- there's a lot to talk about and yes. you can read the book if you want the full and the you full sh- store and you, you should, should. cuz it's you should read anything by John Krakauer. Yeah. I think he's an amazing writer. And has a very sort of dark undertone to everything he writes. Yeah. That's, that's what makes him good. There's this very... He's clearly interested in, in the dark side of life. Well, he, so he was a, a writer who lived in Seattle mm-hmm. in 1996. And he worked for Outdoor Magazine. Out, was a, yeah, outside, outside, outside. Outside Magazine. And he was a, a, yeah, a writer for them. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, we want you to go climb Mount Everest. And we want you to go with Mountain Madness. Which mm-hmm. was... Scott Fisher's Scott Fisher's climbing company, and he was, was also, also based out of Seattle. And and my friend from high school, it was her next door neighbor. I Wait, told you she this. knew Scott Fisher. Yeah, I knew she, she was like his babysitter, but no, she totally she knew him. Personally knew personally him. knew him, and would go over and yeah, babysit his kids. Wait, so what is she said about like what is he like? You know, I when this happened, we were in high school, and so I hadn't read the book yet. I wasn't that interested in it. And I'm not sure I've 
ever asked her. I think by the time I read the book, we weren't friends anymore. And so I, I don't think I've ever actually talked with her much Ugh. about it. That sucks. I know, it does suck. I could email her and ask. So, Cracker was hired to go write an article about climbing Mount Everest, and he was signed up to go with Scott Fisher's group. And at the last minute, uh, the magazine decided to move him to being in a different group yep. because they got a better deal with yeah. this other climbing company. They ended up having to pay less money, but they gave Rob Hall's team, um, which is called Adventure, Adventure Consultants, Consultants, a bunch of like advertising space. And so Rob Hall was like, hell yeah, because you know apparently that advertising space is super expensive, but they ended up getting like a sweetheart of a deal switching him over. Yeah. And Scott Fisher was pissed. Scott Fisher was pissed that Super he lost pissed. this advertising that he was going to get from having that article published. So yeah, so this book, Into Thin Air, is about John Krakow's experience climbing with this group. And Rob Hall was based out of New Zealand. Rob Hall was, yeah, from New Zealand. And a lot of the people on the group, the two, one of the guys was definitely from New Zealand. The other one was Australian. Australian. And then there was several uh, USA clients. And then one from... Japan and one from Canada. And then another one from Australia. Yeah. I think too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they go and there's a sort of series of mishaps that occur leading up to their climbing. Nothing that seems like a major deal at the time, but when they do eventually make their summit attempt, um, all sorts of things go terribly wrong and... A bunch of people end up dying from, right. including the leaders, Rob Hall and Scott Fisher, and a bunch of people from, well, from Rob Hall's team right. end up dying. And John Krakauer is clearly extremely traumatized by this right. experience. So the book is all, it, the, the, most of it intensely focuses on the, the ascent and, um, and all the fucked up shit that happens. It's really, I mean, it really pretty much focuses on summiting and coming back down. Yeah. Most um, of the book is like one day. Yeah. Pretty much, or two right. days. And then there's a lot of history about Everest and how it's captured the imagination and like been this huge desirable thing for climbers uh -huh. ever since and how the Western world discovered it. Yeah. And how dangerous it's always right. been. And right. how lots of people have died. I mean, I think up until the, before 1996, wasn't it like one in four people who summited died? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was something, and a lot of those people were Sherpas, or the people, the right. Nepalese people who are used as, I mean, they're servants, really, right. on, on these trips. I mean, right. it's a very imperialistic, kind of colonial yeah. way of climbing the mountains. Like, oh, let's just get the natives to, like, carry our shit up for us. Right. And they're the people who die the most. Right. Often, of course. Totally. So let's start in March of 1996. Oh, you, um, you have things highlighted in your book. I, I do. I went through and did some highlighting. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I do. So they start off making their way to base camp. And it's kind of like a harrowing journey to begin with. Oh, so, it kind of is. Like they have to, like they get off in Kathmandu and yeah. then they have to take, like, a military helicopter yeah. that drops them off somewhere in the Himalayas, and then they have to, like, hike. Right. Up to base actually camp. To base camp from there. So along the way, and everything's kind of okay at first until they get to... Labuje. Labuje. We're not sure how to pronounce these things it's correctly. It's probably not right. Okay. Right. And so what they end up doing, and at this point it's, it's like, snowy, so, like, it's not, you know, the lower hills. They're kind of getting up there. They get into this town... And there's all this melting snow, and in addition to the melting snow, people are taking shits every fucking place. It's an open sewer, and that's in quotes from John Krakauer. There's just piles of, quote, human excrement everywhere. everywhere. And so what's happening is the sun is beating down, the snow's melting, and it's capturing all this liquid shit <laughs> and just taking it all through the streets. So they end up going to this in in Le Bouge, in this in, in between this whole thing some people are camping out in tents in the sewer in tents in the in tents right John Krakauer goes into the lodge yes where for heat they're burning yak shit and it's in like enclosed quarters 
And he says it's like having the exhaust of a diesel bus pumped directly into the room. Yeah. Like that's what that's what the, the stove is creating. That's the pollution that's happening. Yeah, and there's like a thousand people in there sleeping with him. He talks about there's fleas on, yeah. on, on the pillow. <laughs> he talks about taking the mattress and shaking out all the fleas and lice that he can and is like exhausted, so he like lays down and goes to sleep. But in in this lodge, he ends up getting this like intense cough that stays for the rest of the expedition for the entire expedition he ends up actually like uh ripping some of his like thoracic cartilage and does he break a rib also i don't know i don't think he breaks a rib but but yeah so you like it fucks him up it's so bad that they end up having to stay in this town for three nights and so the second night he's like fuck this i'm gonna move to a tent so he and one of the guys whose name is andy harris are in a tent outside and Andy gets basically food poisoning, it sounds oh, like. yeah. Wakes up in the middle of the night, throws up <laughs> outside the door of the tent, and then has to get up and has diarrhea, just like out <laughs> in the snow all fucking night. Like out in like 20 degree weather, throwing up and having diarrhea, just like on the ground. And John Krakow describes it as loud diarrhea. <laughs> so it's not even regular it's diarrhea. a noisy attack it's of diarrhea. <laughs> he, does, he does mention that it's loud. It's loud. Um, and okay, maybe we should do like a quick rundown. Okay, so like of the main players. So in the Adventure Consultants group, there's Rob Hall. He's the main guide. Andy Harris is the, like, he's kind of the junior guy. He's the third guy. Yeah, he's going to be, like, another really important person. They have a bunch of different Sherpas. And then they also have a guy named Doug Hansen. Who's, who's from Seattle. Or from Kent. Oh, is it? I, I thought he lived from... in, they kept saying Seattle area. I think it's Kent. So there's a Kent elementary school named Sunrise Elementary that sponsored his trip. And so he spent, it talks about him spending a lot of his time writing postcards back to these little kids, which is super cute. Um, there's also someone in his group named Beck Weathers. He's from this Texas. This dude, yeah, he's, uh-huh. a, he's a Texan. He's a piece of work. He's a pathologist and, as most Texans are, a fucking Republican. Mm-hmm. Which comes who up. Who is like, he's just, it sounds like a very loud white man. Yes. But I Although think he, he is, seems really nice in interviews. Yeah. I have, I have watched videos of him like, oh, he actually seems like a nice person. And so. actually, like, he's, he's a really sympathetic character to me. He we'll is. talk a little bit he later is. about why. But also there's this picture of him right at, like, I think it's right after he gets off the helicopter. His face is fucking black from frostbite. And like, he just looks like his face is all puffy and he just looks like a sad little kid to me. I don't know. So yeah. So that's Beck Weathers. There's also well, uh, a woman named Yasuko Namba, who is a Japanese woman. Who's going to be the first woman to climb all seven summits. Seven summits. Yeah. So seven summits are all of the tallest mountains on every continent. Yeah. And this apparently seems to be, just from what I've gathered, a major like thing in the climbing community. But I've heard it's not actually that big of a deal. Because really? besides Everest, the rest of them are not that tall. Yeah. Like, so you can do it without being a very good climber. Right. And Everest, and so this Everest was the last of the eight that she was going to, or the seven that she was going to do. And so we'll get to the fact that she was probably not equipped to deal with climbing Mount Everest. Right. And that's one of the things that, like, John Krakauer, because he's pretty experienced, he kind of starts to understand along the way that ooh, these people aren't the most experienced climbers. And that becomes an issue, a liability, when you're out on the mountain. Because, like, if you're in a team with these people, like, your life is on the line, too. Uh, So the other team that we'll be talking a lot about is the Mountain Madness team. This is Scott Fisher's team. So the guide for this one, obviously, Scott Fisher. Anatoly Bukreev, who's the... The head guide. He's, like, the major guide. And then um, Neil Bidelman. He's, like, a junior guide. Who's, like, my favorite person, basically, in this, entire, in, my, in this entire book. He's, like, my guy. He seems like a really nice guy. I've seen interviews with him, and I'll post them on the website. <gasps> yes. It's, yeah. So he's my he's my person. We'll um, definitely talk about him and how this has affected him. Some other important people. So well, there's, like, the two Sherpas that are important to talk about. So yeah, like there's so, the main, there's the Sirdar? Is that how you pronounce that? Sirdar, yeah. Which and is that's the like head the main Sherpa. Sherpa. So the one for Rob Hall's team is named Ong Dorje. Dorje? Dorje. I don't know. Yeah, something. We we don't know how to pronounce anything. Anything. And then there's Lopsing Jungbu Sherpa, for who is for the... Mountain Madness team. He's yes. the, the Sirdar. Yep. And then also in the Mountain Madness team is Sandy Pittman... <laughs> 
who we're going to talk a lot about. We're going we're gonna to talk. She's the Dave Reichert of, of this sort of <laughs> episode, pretty much. She's like the, oh, give me a fucking break. So she's like Irritating a fucking person. Yeah, so annoying. It's like some society bitch who mm-hmm. like fucking thinks she's hot shit. And like she also wanted to be the first... Wait a she minute. was gonna. She was. There was something that she missed out on doing on Everest by th- no, Dolly Lefevre. So there was. A, I know. I wish I. Oh my god. Name. It was like the first woman to. It wasn't the first woman to climb Everest. Yeah, Sandy Pittman was gonna do something and missed out on it. Didn't she, didn't do it. She was gonna be the first and then ended up being the third. So like you're not even second. You're third, which is super shitty. Anyway, so she's like this society bitch who like. We'll talk a lot about her. And then there were also, um, there's a guy named Martin Adams who's going to become important later on as well. And then during this uh, this time, there were some other expeditions that were on there. There was an IMAX expedition, oh my God, who was led by David David Brashears. And then also um, this like Indo-Taiwanese no, there was a Taiwanese national exhibition. Uh, or ex- why can't I fucking say that word? Expedition. And then there was like an the in- South. Well, there was the, there was Indian, but then there was they are not that important. To the this Indo-Tibetan. Story. Oh yes, they are. Well, kind of. We're gonna talk well, about because yeah, yeah, right. But then there's the South Africans. So the for, South the purpose Africans of, for the purposes yeah. of John Krakauer's story, it's the you know Scott Fisher's team, his team, the Taiwanese, yeah. and the South Africans because they all yeah. end up on the mountain trying to summit on the same day. Right. So they kind of all like end up more or less becoming just one big mass of people, not really separated out in terms of their actual groups at right. that point. Totally. Yasuko Namba was the oldest woman to reach the summit of Everest at forty-seven. Yeah. At the time. At the time. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, so we're we're in Le Bouget. Yep. Uh, Andy Harris has just had a noisy attack of diarrhea, mm. out. and so I'm and I just want to go back to I can't think of anything more fucking miserable than that. Yeah. Being up all night, it's yep. fucking freezing, and you're shitting in the snow. Yeah. And throwing up. Like, and then you have to like seriously climb climb a mountain a mountain the next day, and you're a guide. Like, this is a guide. Like, he's not even, like, a client. So, like, you... I mean, you have responsibilities as a guide. You can't just, like, lay around. Girl, honestly, you know what it reminds me of? When I had diarrhea as a teacher. Because... I, rem- oh you have I remember that. Hold that You're shit like, in. No, there were, like, multiple times where I'd have to, like, call people to come in and, like, watch my class while I just went and had loud diarrhea in the bathroom. <laughs> Seriously? Like, what the fuck? You cannot have diarrhea when you have responsibilities. Uh-uh. It's an issue. It's an issue. So this it's guy's having issue. a major fucking issue. Yeah. So anyway, they so, get, gets that sort of under control, and then they they keep going. They're already feeling shitty, so they head up to base camp. Um, can I just like pause here for a minute yeah. to tell you mm-hmm. that I need to get clarification on this? But Ivan has definitely been to base camp, and I what? think yeah, and I think he's actually been to camp too. What the fuck? Right? Why don't we have him? Why don't we? Why isn't he on here? Why aren't we talking know. to him? But I, because I read him this book out loud, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I've been to base camp." And he was like, "No, I've been to advanced base camp." And I was like, "Well, wait, advanced base camp is fucking camp too." So anyway, how has he been there? What are the what's the situation? He just did a lot of shit like that. But when we talk talk about what it takes to get to camp two, like that's crazy to me. So we'll, well, I guess we'll get there. So anyway, they, they hike up. It's this kind of like lovely thing. And one of the things that they're trying to do is get acclimated to mm-hmm. the altitude. Right. So that's the most dangerous part of climbing is dealing with the lack of oxygen. And that right. really, I think causes, I would imagine most of the deaths yep. on, on Everest for a variety of reasons. So that's part of the reason they, they're, it's kind of spending a leisurely amount of time walking, I think, is to get acclimated. Right. Like, it's a six-week-long process to yeah. get yourself acclimated. And the major thing that, that can happen as a result of this altitude sickness is HAPE. So it's high-altitude pulmonary, pulmonary edema. edema. And then HACE, which is high-altitude high cerebral, cerebral edema. edema. So it pretty much comes down to, like, your lungs filling up with blood. And well, then, fluid. I don't know if it's blood. Well, you end up coughing up blood. Okay, yes, that's true. And then your brain getting fluid right. and swelling. Right. In it. Yeah. So two things that are like super not fun. 
That's what they're trying to avoid the entire time. Okay. So they they do their walk. They get up to base camp. Mm-hmm. And base camp is... I've seen photos of it. It's kind of crazy. I mean, there's a lot of people up there. And yeah. nowadays, there's like at least twice as many people as there was then. And right. even then, there were a lot. Yeah. So they have like a big tent with... You know, like a like a dining room table, and there's like, there's a, like a shower. System. Yeah, the stereo system. Like it's very brotastic. Yeah. Like I imagine a lot of like, <laughs> like what's up, bro? And kind of wandering around <laughs> and like be smoking weed and lots of high fives. Lots of high fives. So many high fives happening. Like everything I'm just describing is Scott Fisher, a hundred percent. And then I imagine just everybody else doing the exact same thing. A lot of yeah. like sort of like. You know, fleeces. Like, very Seattle. Very Seattle. Oh, my God. This is a very Seattle Seattle in the 90s experience. Yeah. And there's... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was was going to say, there's lots of drama. Like, it seems like there's, like, a lot of... And this... I don't find this book actually particularly gossipy, but I read another book called The Climb by Mm. Anatoly Bukhreev, who was the head um, guide for Scott Fisher, and that's... Hella fucking gossipy. Hell yeah. Hella gossipy. Like, yes. who hated who? Oh, yes, I mean, I was girl. like, damn. Tell us, Tolly. Rewind. Everest is kind of like a sacred place for uh-huh. people in Nepal and Tibet. Like, surprise. So it's called Sag- Sagarmata. I can never pronounce that word. I know. I don't and know. Then I think that's, that's what it is. That's the Nepalese, but then the right. Tibetan word is like, Shit. Like Chong 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 <laughs> Fuck it. God damn it. I don't wanna say it. I'm saying it totally wrong and I don't have it in front of me. And even if I did I, I wouldn't pronounce either. it. I know. But anyway, there's two different words. The Nepalese yeah. have a word and the Tibetan people have a word for this for this mountain. And right. we're saying both of them wrong. Like <laughs> fucking assholes. So anyway, yes. Go um, ahead. It's so, secret. Okay, so it means like doesn't it mean like sky or like earth sky mother? <laughs> Fuck, see, this is what happens. Nobody from Nepal or Tibet should ever listen to this. This is we're being really horrible and offensive right now. We we don't know. Seriously, I need to have It's like Sacred Mother of the Sky or or something. It is officially No, that's bullshit. (laughs) We're like Oh, Chomul Chomalungma. Chomalungma. We're, oh we're, okay, so we're, like, we're Googling okay. right now, and we're not finding anything Wait, good. it means something like Earth, oh, Mother of the World. Okay. Or Forehead in the Sky. I have, okay, Forehead <laughs> in the Sky is not in. I've never thinner. heard of that. Anyway, okay, so, but this is a very sacred place. It's, like, seen as, it's, like, almost like this, um, like, animus. animus yeah, oh, yeah, very much. I mean, it, it, like it, is a, it is a goddess. Right. You know, em- embodied in, right. in this mountain. So, like, the people in Nepal, and the, this is, you know, we hear this in the book through the kind of the Sherpa's point of view, but it's like a big deal that you don't fuck up on this mountain because you can anger the mountain and then your whole trip's gonna be fucked. So, what ends up happening at base camp, right? Amidst all this drama, Sandy Pittman, so here is the hot tea, y'all. And wait, uh, Okay, spill the tea, and then I'll talk okay. about the tea. <laughs> Sandy motherfucking Pittman, who's, like, this rich bitch who was married to, like, the co-founder of fucking MTV. Yeah. Yep. Seriously? Okay? She was in the in the midst of a divorce, right? Oh, the first time, P.S., she shows up at base camp. With her kid. Her With fucking, fucking nine-year-old plus a nanny, okay? To, like, high altitude. Like, you yeah. take a child to... Yeah. Oh, my Just God. Just chilling out at base camp. Whatever. Like, it's nothing. <laughs> also, the second time around, so she, it's like, this is like the early days of the internet. Oh, my God. It's Where they're so, fucking oh faxing my God. shit. I've seen screenshots of, of like, <laughs> oh the web pages that were... No. Oh, I have. It's so hilarious. Is it like it's, with a black background and green writing? Is it like that? Is like it's that not that school? bad. Okay. It's not that bad, but it, it could be. It's just like basic HTML. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Extreme. So okay, this bitch brings a fucking 80 pound satellite phone, brings her fucking espresso maker and like Dean and DeLuca coffee, brings motherfucking like crazy amounts of like clothes and shit. Like, she's, like, society, like, all this fancy-ass food. She's, like, trying to, like, live all hella fancy up on Everest, okay? 
clearly doesn't belong there. But what she also brings is like a horny level of 10 because what ends up happening, and here is the tea, y'all. I read, okay, they talk in this book about two people making sauce. Sauce making. Okay, so in Into Thin Air. Okay, so wait, we have to backtrack a little bit. So Into Thin Air, so... There's been, there's been some some bad things that happen in the beginning yeah. of, of this expedition. Not major necessarily bad things, kind of normal bad things, but things that are making the Sherpas feel uneasy. Yeah. And they're saying, oh, 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 people have been sauce making on the mountains. Mm-hmm. It's bad luck. Like, right. it's bringing bad luck to our expedition. Into A.K.A. The, fucking. A.K.A., yeah. Doing, no, oh, banging, banging it out. Remember we talked about that? Oh, they're, they're banging it out, whatever. <laughs> Um, and they and into thin air, John Krakauer, to his credit, does not tell you who, who this it is. is. He's no. just like there. There was a couple. There was a right a, a X and Y. We're doing some it. people are making sauce, but this we know, is the well, fucking we know who tea, it was. Okay? Here it is. It was Sandy motherfucking Pittman, and since she was just about to break up with her husband, okay, David motherfucking Brashear. Okay, now I have never read that. Where did you get that from? I got that information from, I don't remember. It was on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was from Vanity Fair, but it's not. It's not from Vanity Fair. I cannot accept that as a a citation. Wait, no, it was like a real, it was a, I think it was the mirror. That is not real. (laughs) That is not fucking real. Okay, and it may be true. I'm not saying it's not true. Okay, but David Brashears, so I've watched. No, this is, this is, okay, wait, this is well known. Just let me, hear me out. Okay. This is crazy because what ended up happening was I think that those two couples had been friends previously because David Brashear's wife ended up getting with Sandy Pittman's ex-husband. What? Yeah, they like traded. Well, and I know David Brashear's and Sandy Pittman are like close. See, it's because they were making sauce on Everest. <laughs> sauce making. I'm just saying. <laughs> but here, I've watched a lot of Everest documentaries and David Brashear's is, he's not only is he interviewed a lot, he's actually the narrator of one of the better ones. There's a front line about this, which I'll give to you. But he seems very Asperger's to me. Like, like, really? hella Asperger's. Yeah. Which doesn't mean he's not having sex with Sandy Pittman, but he also doesn't seem like somebody who'd be like, hell yeah, baby, let's go. Like, he, mm-mm. I don't know. I'm sure the, the pickings at base camp are pretty slim. Just saying. I don't know. And he was like a young, no, strapping some, man. There are some hotties up there. Yeah. Who? Who was a hottie? Well, on the IMAX expedition, there were some hotties. Okay, because there were not any hotties on... No, that's not true. Charlotte Fox was hot. I don't I don't know which one Charlotte Fox she's on. Was. She was on Mountain Madness. So she's not... She was the, she's, oh, so right, there's, there's yeah. no picture of her in this book, but she was good looking. Anyway, we're, we're digressing okay. a lot. All right. So, but there was some... There was some drama there going was some on. Straight up there drama. was some straight up drama going on in base camp. And I think all the guys just, like, really thought that Sandy Pittman was a real stupid idiot. Because she, she was fucking just, was. I know. She totally wasn't. She, she had, shouldn't have been up there. She had no business being up there. And a right. lot of these people had no fucking business being up there. Right. So one of the things that John Krakauer talks about is that Everest is not a particularly difficult mountain to climb. Right. Like, you don't need a lot of technical skill to do it. You just have to be in kind of good shape, really. Right. But the issue is that because the altitude is so high, that fucks with you really badly. And so people who don't have experience dealing with that level of altitude but are relatively fit are like, oh, cool, I can do this. I'll pay money and a guide can just sort of take me up. And Rob Hall even said that. He said, as long as someone's reasonably fit, I can get them up there. And it got to the point where so many people were getting up to Everest that they were starting to call it, like, the yellow brick road. Yeah. Like, it was and, so fucking And easy. that's true in a lot of cases, that you can be sort of lame as a climber and still summit Everest. So, yeah. to me at this point, especially now when it's apparently just, like, bumper-to-bumper climbing Everest, like, it's yeah. just, like, thousands of people. Right. Why is that an accomplishment at this point? I know. Like, you're just following a trail of people up and then back down again. Like, I don't get it as a thing. I think we should I, we should come to this later. Okay, yeah. I've thought we're, a lot about... No, I've, but I've thought a lot about this this week. Like, why would... When you know that you could so easily fucking die, why? Right? Well, you could so easily die, but it's also not that big of an accomplishment. Right. So it's a weird mix of things. It's totally. like it's really dangerous, but it's also not... I mean, it is a big deal, but it's not a hard mountain. It's not like K2. Like, if you, fly, if you climb K2... 
that's a fucking accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, that's a really hard mountain to climb. Right. And some of these climbers had climbed K2 oh, previously. Oh, yeah, definitely. Some of these people were really good climbers. And got fucked up on K2. Mm-hmm. So anyway, okay, so they're in base camp, they're like, and what they're doing, what the plan is, is that every so often they'll go up farther to spend like a night up at the, the other camps, so there's, so they can acclimatize. So what, there's, there are five, four, well there's five four camps, camps total, I mean four above base camp, right? No, there's four camps. So is there's base, base camp, camp count as one? Yep. Base camp one, two, three, four. Oh, there is a camp one? Yeah, so there's five camps total. Okay. Well, anyway. So, so they have to, like, make, like, that's the whole point is, like, you'll you'll go to camp one and then back down. Then you right. go to camp one and two and then back down. Right. And so, and you're doing this so you can get acclimatized properly. Right. So, in between base camp and camp one is this, what sounds to be, like, a crazy fucked up situation, which is called the Kumbu Icefall. And what this is, it's like, okay, this giant glacier is, like, coming over this kind of, like, pinch in the rocks, and it's created these... Well, it's like, I think it's like a cliff. Yeah. I mean, so it's breaking as it comes over this cliff, right. basically. And so it's created these huge chunks of ice called Ciroc's that fall, and they're, like, I mean, they're, like, the size of, like, fucking skyscrapers, mm-hmm. right? But they're also hella unstable, and could just, like, fall over at any time. And it's the most dangerous part of the trip, and it's the very first thing you do. Right. And, okay, and this does not seem safe to me. They fucking talk about how there are people <laughs> who just invest and buy a shit ton of, like, aluminum ladders, because that's how you get through the ice fall. They literally strap multiple aluminum ladders end to end yeah and then you have these two ropes on either side of your hand and you walk and across you walk them across the fucking over ladders crevasses that are like like really deep and the weird thing is i've actually never heard of anybody dying by falling off a ladder into a crevasse i know i've heard of people people die in the ice fall all the time like that like just two years ago like a whole shitload of people died in was the it during the fall. earthquake yeah or maybe it was an, an avalanche. I can't oh, remember, yeah. but, like, it's super dangerous there. And right. it's Sherpas usually who die. Because they, th- they go through, like, a client I was reading in one of these books. Like, a client will go through the ice fall, like, six times or, or eight times. Right. A Sherpa will go through, like, 30 times. Right. In the course of an expedition. Because they have to, like, load all the shit and take them up to all these camps. Right. So the Sherpas, like, how they support the team is they'll go and they'll put air up um, at the different camps to, like, get it ready. They'll put food up there they go and fix ropes oh they're doing crazy shit yeah they're just constantly coming up and down so these guys are like seriously working their fucking asses off and it's like an issue of like family pride kind of thing so like sherpas are family groups and it's kind of like a trade that's like passed down to your kid and famous sherpas like especially if you ascend everest you make it to the top you summit you are going to get those fucking jobs, like, all the fucking time. And it's a lot of money. Right. In in that country. Right. So. Even though this book kind of talks about the disparity between that, too, right? That, like, a guide on one of these teams will make, like... A white guide. $25,000. And then a Sherpa will make 2000 Right. So it's, like, yeah. a huge disparity. Anyway, so, so they go through this Kumbu Icefall. And Drunk Hacker talks about it being fucking terrifying. Yeah. And this is a guy who has a lot of mountaineering experience. Right. Who's like, this is like, I was scared shitless going right. through this. Right. And so, I mean, that's crazy. And that means that Ivan did that. And I don't that's know. How, nuts. I don't know how to wrap my head Girl, around you that. Have I got to get and the I, I know I've asked him about this, but I I can't remember what he said. So I need I need to get some more details. You I, have I to, get, to get some more details about that. Oh my god. Where was the part where the Sherpa fell early on? Where did he... I think it was above the ice fall. So one of the Sherpas in the Mountain Madness team fall... He's not roped in properly. He's like right. a younger Sherpa. is not roped in properly and falls... Like 80 feet or something. A ways down. And they have to like try to bring him back down through the ice fall even though like he can't... Like he can't walk. Like they have to carry him through... But there's a few stories in here that are really disturbing about Sherpas getting hurt. So there's that one. And then there's a Sherpa. No, I'm sorry. That Sherpa, the one I'm just talking about was on Rob Hall's team, I think. I think he was on. So it looks like, okay. But then there was an. So. But then there's the guy who gets hape. 
and he's on Scott yeah. Fisher's team. So there's yeah. two there's two different Sherpas on this particular expedition who both get very badly injured or there's get an, sick. Right, and there's another Sherpa afterwards who ends up um, rocks apparently are constantly like falling down this mountain. And he gets hit in the back of his head by two Twice. fucking rocks. Like, like, hits him in the skull. Like, like, like makes a dent in, yeah, his, in skull. his skull. And then, the, and then oh another God. person, the year before, a Sherpa had fallen all, the, like, fallen 2,000 feet down the mountain. Oh and God. one of the climbers, I can't remember who it is, but one of the climbers in the 96th expedition was also on the 95 expedition and was on the mountain when this happened. And the Sherpa slid by <gasps> him. And there was blood. And left a trail of blood. Oh, and I'm like, can God. you imagine falling that fucking far? And like seeing that and fucking he happening. he was screaming. Screaming on the way down, left a trail of blood. And then, of course, oh, was total, totally dead at the bottom. Oh, like, my God. Uh, okay, so, so like, this is really dangerous. Yeah, Everest <laughs> is kind of a bad idea. Kind of a bad idea. Just saying. So, okay, they're going up. They're doing this whole thing. And there's, like, the whole time there's all this ominous shit happening. You know, there's these Sherpas yeah. getting hurt, getting sick. You know, they're they're all not feeling well. They're exhausted. It's insane. Yeah, it's and John Krakauer, just because he's a good writer, is really good at capturing all this without totally belaboring the point. Yeah, like he doesn't make he doesn't kind of go overboard with it, but it's like yeah, there's some weird shit happening on this particular expedition that seems like it's somewhat out of the ordinary. Right. So anyway, so they, they go back and forth and then they end up, it's the summit. It's the, it's the summit attempt summit and they just, they decide, Rob Hall's team decides they're going to try to summit on May 10th. Yep. Mountain Madness, Scott Fisher's team also decides that they're going to summit on May 10th. Right. The Taiwanese and the South African teams who are not seen as being very competent also decide that they're going to try to summit on May 10th. Well, this is what happened. They said, hey, South African team. Mm-hmm. You guys need to go. Because they all sat down ahead of time to, like, prepare. And they said, South African team, you guys need to do it on this different day because there's going to be too many people up there. And South Africa, the South African team, who's headed by this guy named Ian Woodall. He's a complete He's a fucker. Dickhead. He's total Oh, my asshole. God. Horrible. Seriously, just, like, a misogynist, like, a fucking liar, a, like, a scam artist. This guy's, this dude's a douche. And he will not cooperate with anyone. And he just pretty much says, like... Fuck you guys. We'll go up whenever, whenever we want to go want. up. If it's the 10th, whatever. Right. It turns out they actually don't summit on the 10th. Right. But they're up there on at Camp 4, which is the, the highest camp at the same time. Right. What ends up happening is, like, because they have this schedule of who's going to summit, um, these other teams go up before them, including, like, some Montenegrins, and there's another guy who's going by himself, a I think. A solo. A soloist. Right. Which are amazing. He doesn't it's make it. Insane. Uh, None, even, neither one of them make it. No, So what ends up happening is they end up, like, there's all this snowfall that ends up happening up at the summit, and there's these crazy winds, and they can't get up. They literally physically can't get up because the snow is, like, thigh deep. So they end up turning back around. Which, if you imagine, okay, you've spent weeks... You spent tens of thousands of dollars getting there for this one opportunity, and then it, you have to turn around at the end. Like, so awful. Crazy. Just just side note, that soloist guy, mm-hmm. Goran Krop, Goran mm-hmm. something like that, he was Swedish, I think? Yeah. Um, he So he tries to sum it up, doesn't make it, turns around, okay. Um, I looked him up, I was doing some research, he died. In Washington State in 2002. What? How? In a rock climbing fall. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's what's weird, is a lot of these people who survived this particular disaster died later doing, because it's just so dangerous. Anyway, interesting. Dude, I'm just saying that mountain, that mountain is getting its fucking revenge. No shit. Like, seriously, there. there's some weird juju going on. Totally. So, the morning of, or well, May 10th, they... Well, not even, May 9th. Right. They go up, they get up to Camp 4, and the weather is awful. It's, like, totally windy, totally snowing, and they're like, shit, we're not going to be able to do this. And so they're in their tents, and Rob Hall is like, well, let's wait and see, like, what the weather does. Yeah. And it's 7 o'clock at night, boom, stops. Oh, suddenly. Suddenly stops. So the wind dies down, and it's clear, and so it's like, okay, so go to sleep, and then we're going to wake we're gonna, up we're at gonna, midnight. We're going to wake up at midnight and leave. Yep. So, it's so the, they're climbing to the summit in the dark. And that, to me, to me, is the scariest part <gasps> of the book, as John Kakauer oh just describes leaving 
the, the tents are starting to climb at midnight and how freaky it is. Cause there's a, I don't know if it's a full moon, but he describes it as being almost full. And it's so bright. And it's super bright. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, and he just describes how spooky it is. Right. Like what the sort of view is like. And it's like, oh my God. And he describes that there are three people from the, or maybe there's one person for, who's first off is like, this doesn't feel right. I'm turning around. Yep. Which is the, I don't think is that common. So there's somebody from his group who's like, nope, I'm out of here. Yeah. And apparently that's something you're supposed to do as a climber. Like is if it doesn't feel right, like you're not supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And so this, as John Tas- Tasky, Tasky yep. uh-huh. who's Australian, turns around and goes back down. Yep. And then as they climb, three other people, or two, two, other, other people. two other people also decide to turn right. around and go back. right. So not everybody gets super high on the mountain. So three people decide that they're not on from Drunk Hacker's group are like, we're not doing this. We're turning around. No one from Scott Fisher's group turns around. Right. So everybody, so these two, these two big groups and the time we need have like totally commingled into like one basically line of people. Right. Like going up the mountain. So one of the other major things that was supposed to happen was that the Sherpas were supposed to go ahead 90 minutes. And fix the ropes. And fix the ropes. And that didn't happen. And no one's quite sure why. Yeah. Which is interesting. There's a lot of conflicting stories here. Like the Sherpas are like, oh, the guides totally called it off. But then everyone else is like, the guides did not call it off. Like, that, we never heard about that at all. And a lot of these people are dead at this point. Right. So, like, we, we don't know. And what, there was, what like, there. there was fighting between the Sirdar, uh, Ang Dor- Dorje. Dorje. And Lopsang Jungbu. Because, like, Lopsang was kind of, like, younger. He was kind of, like, a hotshot. And, like, Ang was pretty much, like, dude, like, you're you're a fucking idiot. And they had had like, they had had like, like beef in yeah, the past. Yeah, they, they didn't like each other. And he didn't, and Ong didn't feel like Lopsang was like helping. And so he was just like, fuck it. And like, there was like a point even where they were like, hey, Ong, are you going to fix these ropes? And he was like, no. But they all, like, no. but John Cracker also talks about how Ong had had nightmares before they had left. He saw a He ghost. saw ghosts in the fucking night. And to me, like, that was the fucking scariest part of this book. Right. Because he, he's very spiritual. And all the Sherpas are very spiritual. And, yeah, yeah, and he, like, had seen ghosts in the night before this expedition. I'm like, dude, dude how fucking scary I know. is that? Like, like oh please, my god. Please do not go up there, you guys. Like, the whole time, uh. they're just like, oh my god, stop, this is doomed. So... But they go anyway. Right. So what ends up happening is, like, Ong and John Krakauer are kind of going at the same pace ahead, and yeah. John Krakauer is kind of like helping fix the ropes, but all the other people on the team who are super inexperienced are slow as fuck. They're slow so as fuck. So it's taking them forever to make this climb. And the reason, the only reason I know that is because I read about the IMAX expedition, which mm-hmm. ended up going like a week later. Right. And it took them like seriously like half the amount of time to get to the summit. Like they got That's to the summit crazy. at like ten a.m. That's insane. Whereas these people, some of these people weren't getting into this to the summit until like four p.m., right. which is way too late. Right. I mean, that means you've been climbing for eighteen hours. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, anyway, so John Krakauer and Ong are and Mike Groom as well are kind right. of in the front, and they keep having to wait. Yes. Because Rob Hall is like, nope, you can't go ahead. You can't go ahead. You have to wait for us. And so they end up, like, have, like standing and, for, and went, like, for, like, an hour. Just right. Like, <laughs> and what they established, what the guides established was that, like, you cannot disobey us, number one. And number two, we have to turn around by 1 or 2 p.m. at the latest. But they don't say... Which like you right. can't just say one or two. It's like right. no, dude, you have to pick a fucking time. But nobody right. seemed to be clear about when the turnaround time was. So if you don't totally. make it to the summit by this time, we got to go back down. Right. So at around one p.m., John Krakauer ends up summiting Mount Everest, and that's actually the very beginning of that book. Yes, is, is him like very briefly talking about summiting Everest, and I loved it because it's not like. God, it's so spiritual when somebody ever he's like he's just like, like mm, I'm so fucking tired. Is, I'm so tired. I don't care about anything. Right. I'm running out of oxygen and I'm like, kind of panicking. Yeah. Like I gotta get the fuck I'm out of here. I'm just gonna leave. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's I kind of feel like that's a more realistic way you would feel. It's just right. sort of like, oh shit. Yeah. Because he's freaking out and he describes what it's like to run out of oxygen. So we should backtrack and say that most people who summit very high mountains use bottled oxygen, mm-hmm. obviously, because there's no ambient oxygen up there unless you're really hardcore like some really hardcore people do it without oxygen 
But, well, okay, we have to establish, like, Mount Everest is at 29,028 feet high. Which is That's the where airplanes, airplanes fly airplanes. that high. Yeah. There's, like, a, what, a quarter the amount of oxygen that there is at sea yeah. level or something. Yep. And so you become, obviously, extremely dysfunctional you get mentally like you can't function yeah. at all right so they're all using bottled oxygen except anatoly bukreev is right. not using bottled and i don't know scott fisher is using bottled oxygen he is i think the only i think anatoly is the only person who's not using bottled oxygen right and john krakauer talks about this and he he kind of like talks shit because he's oh, like he definitely talks super shit. irresponsible super irresponsible when you're a guide and you're not <clears throat> using oxygen well, because John Cracker describes what it's like to run out of oxygen mm-hmm. and what your brain does with no oxygen. And so he's talking about when he's descending and he's run out of oxygen at that point. Right. That he's like, I'm going to black out. Right. And I'm like, how fucking scary would that be to oh like be right on the edge of blacking out? And you know if you black out, you're going to die. Like, you're yeah. going to like just tip right off the Holy side. Holy shit. And having to stand there and wait. For all of these super slow climbers to crawl up the rope so you can actually get around them to go down. So he has to stand there for like 45 minutes right. with no oxygen, just like waiting for these people to kind of like stumble like by him. come up the, the Hillary step. Yeah. It makes me feel panicky just thinking about it. Me too. That I feel like most of this book, I'm especially like the, you know, where they're tw- like trying to get down. I just am constantly panicking. Yeah. It's just, I mean, yeah, it just makes your heart race. Cause you, cause he describes it so well, what that would feel like. Yeah. So he's descending. He gets down to what's called the South summit, which mm-hmm. I imagine is sort of like a resting place. It sounds like, I'm not sure right. how far below the actual summit that is. And Andy Harris, who's the third guide for his team is waiting there with extra oxygen bottles. So he gets there to Andy and he says, Hey, I need another oxygen bottle. And Andy says, Oh no, no, all these are empty. Right. And he's like, what? Like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, all of these are empty. And John Cracker was like, I don't know, man. And so he like picks up one and sticks it into his whatever regulator. regulator. And he's like, no, this one's full, but he can't convince Andy that he's right. Like nothing he says seems to sink into this guy. Right. And Andy gets on the radio and also starts telling everyone else that there's no oxygen. There's no oxygen. And John Krakauer, he's and he says this, he's like, if I had been more with it, I would have realized that this guy was dealing with hypoxia. Like he, right. he was his brain was not functioning properly. But he's right. like, I was so fucked up myself that I didn't notice. And he was a guide, so I just sort of assumed that he was fine. Right. So he was just like, All right, dude, whatever, grabs his oxygen bottle and keeps going down and leaves the guide behind. Mm-hmm. I mean, a kind of a course. I mean, it's not like you're going to take the guide with you. Right. So John Krakauer descends alone at this point. And that's also what I find really scary is he's just out there by himself descending Mount Everest. It's I would scary. be terrified. Right. And John Krakauer, I think, is ahead. And the only reason that he knows how to where to go is because he trained himself to look for landmarks on the way up. Yeah. Had he not done that, He'd be he fucked. would have just like wandered off wherever. So, P.S., at this point, what ends up happening is that the weather starts getting worse. Yeah, the weather worse, takes a turn. And worse. And so, like, suddenly snow's falling, and, you know, he talks about not being able to really see what's around him, and you could literally just walk out into the void. Yeah. he's I mean, he talks about being on sort of like a, a ridge. Right. Whereas if you take a wrong step in either direction, you're going to fall 7,000 feet to the right. bottom of this mountain right. on either side. And he's walking along being like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, keep it together, keep it together. But right. every, everything feels very removed. Right. From, his, his, like, it, like he feels sort of like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. And then he talks about starting to hallucinate. Right. Which I thought was really scary and talks about how... He saw, like, flying creatures? Well, he didn't, but he talks about how other people, including... Jesus, I'm forgetting his name again. The guy who Reinhold summited... Reinhold Messner. Reinhold Messner, when he summited solo, totally started hallucinating, like, pulsating things in the air, and he yeah. was, like, seeing creatures. Yeah. But John Krakauer's hallucination is that he's he's gotten to an out-of-body experience, and he's watching himself descend wearing a green cardigan and wingtip <gasps> shoes. That's right! <laughs> funny but it's not funny when you read no. it you're like oh, oh shit, shit. <laughs> like he's losing his fucking mind like bitch you're not wearing wingtips oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay so john kakar is descending and he gets to right above where camp four is 
but there's a big um, cliff, sort of like an ice cliff, right before you get into Camp Four, and he's oh, so fucking crazy, overwhelmed with how to like deal with getting down this, and he just like sits, he just down. sits down. He's just like, I don't know what to do here, and yep. sits down. He sits there for forty five minutes, yep. just like puts his hood over his face, and it's just like right, <laughs> and so there's just only his eyes are peeking out, and he just sits down, which is when I read that I was like, oh fuck. You I mean, just, I know you he survives, die. right? But like, that's the thing is when you get hypothermia, you if you sit down in the snow, you like start getting all like warm, yeah, and, and you're, you're like, like, I'll just, yes. I'll just stay here. It's cool, and then you die, and then you fucking die, right? So while he's sitting there, he looks over and a person who he thinks is, is Andy Harris, Andy the Harris, guy who was up at the South Summit thinking there was no oxygen, right? Is is there, and he's like, hey, and. It, and Andy Harris sits down, and he's like, hey, that's steeper than you think, and don't go down on your butt. Like, that's not a good way to go. Yeah, the, and guy, the, the guy tries to slide down the, the big, like, ice cliff on his butt, and he's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do, do that. that. It's steeper than you think. And the guy's like, whatever, and promptly promptly falls down like and goes down head first lands at the bottom and he, Brock, and he's like sure oh and Jack Hacker was like this guy definitely just died. broke his <laughs> neck this he guy's fucking definitely dead. broke his and neck. then the guy stands up and walks off towards the tents and Jack Hacker was like oh shit okay but my guy just like left me here by myself yeah so then Jack Hacker gets up and crawls very carefully down this ice cliff and then gets into his tent yeah. and is like okay oh sweet that was pretty fucked up there for a while, but I'm good. You know, right. Andy Harris is good. People will be coming back soon. We're good right. to go. Right. And of course, we know that that's not the case. That's sort of the end of John Krakauer's Everest experience. Yeah. But the other people who've been climbing are <sighs> having like beyond fucked up experiences. Right. Um, including Beck Weathers, the pathologist from Texas. Who has probably the most fucked up Everest experience I've ever, ever heard. Yeah, which we'll get into. We'll in have yeah, we'll have episode. to we'll have to make this a two parter and we I didn't think we were will. going to. Yeah. I also didn't Well, okay, no, here's the thing. When you read this, is there any part of you at all that is like, I kinda wanna do this? Okay. Girl. Because there kinda is for me a li- okay. a little bit. Not a lot, a little. <laughs> I totally like thought about that all week. But then I would have to like walk up my hill in like forty degree weather, and I'd just be like, <laughs> "I'm so tired and cold," and I'm like, "This is this must be what Everest is like." It's just it's like just Everest, like walking up the fucking hill to my house, forty degrees. It's intense. So I, I, this is the thing I know, and Paul and I were talking about this. I would die. Like I wouldn't even make it to base camp. I'd just die. Like die. I would die in Lobuje. <laughs> Like honestly, just like with the, <laughs> Di- open diarrhea in the yeah. snow, you're like, yeah. I'm, I can't do that. This. Would be me, but like, I kind of get it. I okay, so mountain climbers, douches, obviously. obviously. Yet at the same time, I, I'm feeling the pull a, a little. Me too. I'm not really gonna. I'm clearly not really gonna do it, but yeah, there is, Girl, there I get is it. something that's that's. Making sense to me a I little know. bit. I which get is it too. Disturbing. I know it fucks me up, and I think that's the the weird thing is that like, I like I did not give a shit about mountain climbing at all ever at all. Like, that is at not all. something that I ever no. would be interested in. But reading this book, like I get it. Well, I totally get it. It's not just this. Like I've read books about K two. Yeah. I've read and I then I watched. Um, oh shit! What's the movie? Um, Into the Void. Oh, I haven't seen that. It oh my god! Horrifying. Oh my god! You need to watch it. And it, there is some. There's a pull there. I'm like, oh Jesus, Carrie. I think we should climb Everest. I think we should <laughs> climb Everest. Okay, everyone. And then we're we're, we're gonna die immediately. Like I mean, can you, that would be like so horrible and tragic to like listen to this episode and then we die on oh my Everest. God. Oh my god. Well, we'll get back with you in like you know a couple months or Mount Rainier. Except people talk right. about Mount Rainier all, all the, time. the fucking time. I know, and that's Mount Rainier. How lame is that? That's not even Mount Everest. I know that's like embarrassing. I like, oh, I died on Mount Rainier, but all the time people die. I know. Oh God. Yeah, I just feel like it's a really bad idea. Oh, it's a terrible fucking idea. So we will talk about how 
this is such a shitty idea. And also all the shitty things that have happened to people, not only in this 1996 expedition, but historically in our oh, next and episode. Since 1996. Right. Since 1996 Ooh. has been really fucking bad. Yeah, 2015, Tr- not a good Ooh. year. Did you, did you read the John Krakauer article about that? No, but I will. Oh, I will send it to you. Oh my God. All of this will be on our website. All of the, all the videos and articles and all this stuff because there's so much good shit out there. Because this is actually something that's taken seriously, unlike Amityville. <laughs> so there's there's real journalism about around this topic. <laughs> so there's there's good things to read. You mean Rico Suda didn't write <laughs> anything about Everest? No, and Jay Anson yeah. also did not imagine it would just be <laughs> exclamation point. <laughs> Okay, you guys, check us out at mydarkhour.net and you can tweet us at mydarkherhr podcast at Twitter. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We'll be back at you next week with episode 10, Everest Part Part 2. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye.